If I had only known the last time would be the last time I would have put off all the things I had to do I would have stayed a little longer Held on a little tighter Now what I'd give for one more day with you There's a wound here in my heart where something's missing And they tell me that it's gonna heal with time But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased And knowing yours are healed is healing mine The only scars in heaven There won't be such thing is broken and all the old will be made new and the thought that makes me smile now even as the tears fall down is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now Standing in the sun You fought your fight and your races run The pain is all a million miles away The only scars in heaven That won't belong to me and you There'll be no such thing as broken Welcome to um, Visceral Reflections. This is Tom. Uh, and tonight we're, we're going to talk about paradigm spirituality. And <laughs> yeah, I wanted to start the episode with that song, but I, truthfully, I wasn't sure I would be able to get through it. That, that song always hits me hard. 
But I thought it was appropriate for this talk because as we have been going through the conform to his image study, we're, we're now at the topic of paradigm spirituality. And what that means is um, developing an eternal perspective and giving up our temporary perspective. And so that's what tonight is about. And I, well, before we get into it a little more, um, why don't we pray? Let's pray, pray together. Father God, thank you for the gift of hope. Thank you for a light at the end of what can sometimes seem like a dark tunnel. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you for your salvation, your incarnation, your resurrection, your promise of eternal life. Lord, and it would be hard to imagine what facing the, this world would be like without hope. You know, we're going to talk tonight about hope and despair and how we deal with pain a little bit. But Lord, we, just, we thank you for so many blessings. We thank you for your word and your spirit. We thank you for giving us this day and helping us get through it. Lord, we thank you for healing. Lord, we thank you for divine comfort. The gift of prayer, the peace that comes when we know someone up there is listening. Lord, we know you're always with us. And just sometimes we need to be reminded. Lord, I just want to pray right now for anyone who hears this. I pray there be some words of encouragement. If that strong song struck a chord with anybody, Lord, I just pray that you would encourage their hearts about the the truths of that song and the spiritual realities expressed in that song from your word. And the temporalness of this world and what we have to look forward to. Or it's always hard when others go on before us. But you've given us the gift of hope and we rejoice in that. Because we know that we have an eternal future, an eternity of goodness. And Lord, I love the idea that we are going to be changed in the mo- in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. With glorified bodies, and Lord, I just... It's a great encouragement to know that, you know, when we get to heaven, we're still going to be able to give hugs and laugh together and many of the joyful things that you've created us into us. And we look forward to that day of this grand eternal reuniting. 
Lord, for tonight, I pray that you would prepare hearts for what's to be shared. I pray that you give me scripture to share. I ask for a special blessing for everyone who's going to hear this, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new way, in a deeper way, in a more sensitive way that we would understand the truths that we read in your book, the hope of the resurrection, the finished work of Jesus on the cross, your faithfulness when we are faithless, the eternal security of our salvation when we doubt, the aroma of our prayers, the incense of our prayers when we ask you to bring others into your kingdom because you desire that no one perish. Lord, we have much to be thankful for. I pray that you would help us to see the world with your eyes, see people with your eyes. And Lord, help us to see ourselves the way that you see us, which is probably the most difficult thing to do because we know, we know ourselves. We know who we are when no one's looking. So please... Help us to understand your love and how you see us. We thank you and we praise you and we're grateful. I pray that you bless this time and bless this message. And Lord, together we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, in talking about paradigm spirituality, um, what we really want to talk about is um, the term biblical realism. And that's the idea or the understanding that we are ha- need to have an eternal perspective in this world. That everything about us, everything about our lives, everything about um, our person, everything about our heart and the things we embrace. Everything is pointing to eternity. And so our goal and our hope is that we would step into eternity, into the presence of God, be welcomed in his presence, that we would be, uh, have a, an unspeakable joy amidst a holy fear as we come into the presence of God. Colossians 3.2 says that we want to set our mind on things above and not on earthly things. And so that's what we want to do. So tonight, um, I'm going to talk uh, in two parts. Uh, one, a little bit about the brevity of life. And then... Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about worldviews. And then I have something I want to read to you, and I may or may not read it to you. We'll see how time goes. Uh, I'm not going uh, Yeah, we'll see. But, you know, um, you know, Psalm 39 says, Lord, uh, help us to know our end and what the extent of our days are. Uh, teach us how transient we are. I think verse 6 says, verse 5 or 6, Surely every man is at his best in mere breath. And surely every man walks about as a phantom. Isaiah 40, verse 6 to 8, also talks about our, our temporary, that we are temporary. 
like grass. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Uh, James 4, 14 to 17. Um, we're vapors and, you know, we don't, we, when we make plans, uh, we do it according to the Lord's will. Um, it, actually, this reminds me of a story. <laughs> I was um, uh, interviewing for a job and I was at the Dallas airport and I was talking to the owner of a company and you know, we were sitting there just chatting and he asked me, he says, what are your plans for business development? And, and then he starts to rattle off some things, you know, about target markets and what am I going to do about, um, you know, what are my ideas for marketing and what is our, um, what's going to be our plan for, um, increasing um, revenue and doing doing sort of our own paradigm shift of the type of revenue that we bring in. And so he's got all these questions. <laughs> and I basically said, well, we don't know what today or tomorrow will bring that we will go to such and such a city and engage in business and make a profit. Uh, we don't know what our life will be like tomorrow. We're just a vapor here for a short time and then we vanish away. Instead, we ought to say, well, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. And I said, so I'm going to prayerfully consider the things we should do to build this company. <laughs> it, it just cracks me up. I don't know why he didn't fire me right there. Um, why do you know? Because God sent me there. I, and I knew that for a fact because, um, I had prayerfully considered that I turned down that much better offers to, to do this, but I got there and I don't know that wasn't planned. I don't know why that came out, but he sat back in his chair and says, huh? So that's what you're going with. I said, yes, that's what I'm going with. It was pretty funny because, um, He's like, all right, I'm not real religious, but let's do this. Um, anyways, it was hilarious. And um, I thought about it later going, dude, what were you thinking? Um, I wasn't thinking. Um, it was just an instinct, so to speak. Um, but James, uh, James 4, I think verse uh, 13 to 16, 13 to 17, something like that. Um was my business plan and um you know and i put some I put some uh actual tasks around that once we got there but um it was an interesting conversation because it shined a light on the fact that um we don't know how bre uh, the brevity of the side i remember telling him i'm like dude we may you know um you know we may get on our flights and leave dallas here and you know, may not make it home. You know, we, we could be part of a airplane crash in the next two hours. I said, so that's how I see the world. And he's like, well, that's a good thought. And, um, I wasn't trying to be funny and I wasn't trying to be morbid. I was trying to shine a light on the fact that we get really wound up about the plans for our life and how often do our plans not work out? Um, and as a Christian, as a person of faith, and someone who's going to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, I, I, this is the sort of perspective that that I think we need to carry with us um, wherever we're at, in the marketplace, in school, wherever we are. And you, you, you know, if you listen to this show, you've heard me say this before. And I, I, that I, I feel strongly about this because when I was a young man, I used to um, compartmentalize my faith. And I did business with a lot of folks that didn't know that I was a Christian. And to my shame, you know, that came out and I was like, oh my gosh, how did, you know, is God really the most important person in my life if people I've known for years have no idea that I'm a, I'm a man of faith? 
And so to me, that was an eye-opening um, about, this was about 12 years ago, I think, 11, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, at any rate, I share that with you because I want us to think in this direction, and that's the idea behind um, paradigm spirituality. So, you know, a, a paradigm shift in our thinking allows us to move from an egocentric or man-centered perspective on life to a Christocentric or Christ-centered, God-centered perspective on life. You know, so if we think about passages like um, Mark 8 uh, towards the end, um, I think around the verse 35, you know, whoever wishes to, to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses a life for the sake of the gospel will save it. What is a profit of man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Um, we look at passages like that and we have to take them seriously and, and just wonder, you know, what are we going to do um, with this life? You know, is our goal really to build bigger barns? Um or is our goal to, to honor God and love God in all that we do? Those are things that we need to, to really uh, be mindful of and to consider. You know, John 3.30 is one we talked about a lot, that he must be more important and we must become less important. And when we do that, we can actually live into Mark six, or Matthew 6.33 um, to put the kingdom of God before our kingdom. So I just want to share some of these things about having an eternal perspective, you know, and, and that song that we started with, um, uh, what's, what's the name of the song? I can't believe I'm blanking on the name. I think it's No Scars in Heaven. It's Casting Crowns. Um, but, you know, that song makes me think about Romans 8.18, that the suffering of this present time isn't worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed. And that can be a hard verse. Uh, it can be a hard place to be, but it's a, it's a reality that we need to, to embrace. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't quote that verse to someone who was torn apart by something tragic or some, someone who's in deep pain at the moment. Um, but in our moments of stability, those are important things for us to know. And uh, James chapter one, the same thing, that we rejoice in our trials. How do we rejoice in our trials? How do we rejoice in our hardships? Well, it's counterintuitive to the natural man, but to followers of Christ, we can, we can ask different questions. We can say, Lord, we don't understand, but we trust. And it's not easy. And we're still going to be heartbroken. We're still going to have tears. We're still going to have pain. There's so many passages on suffering in scripture and the work that suffering does in us that God can bring good from bad. That we can look at Romans 8.28 and say, okay, there's a promise Romans 8.18, Romans 8.28. Okay, God can bring good from bad. And it may take time. And we may not know on this side of heaven. And we may have to endure this for the goodness of another. This may not be about us. Maybe we need to suffer. You know, I was just reading about, uh, you know, Paul talks about his suffering First uh, Corinthians four, and oh my gosh, thank thank God for Paul and what he endured to give us the epistles, to bring the epistle to us. Yeah, I know my human thinking, you know, that's sort of sentimental, but the truth is, you know, God would have got those to us either way. But Paul paid the price, and he talks about being shipwrecked. He talks about being beaten. He talks about being homeless. He talks about going hungry. And 
so sometimes we have to look at life that way, and there's things we want to understand. Um, you know, Billy Graham, I, it's funny, I heard a, um, a Billy Graham sermon um, recently where he was asked the question, can a Christian die before the appointed time, before God had planned for him? I know the theological answer, and I would have said no. And Billy Graham said, yes, absolutely. So he was a little less Calvinist in his looking at that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sort of starting to lean that way a little bit, uh, even though I'm a five-point Calvinist at heart and believe in the sovereign governance of God. And I think we can do that without giving up the sovereignty of God and some of the things that we, um, not that we necessarily do, but perhaps other people do as well. So anyways, that's a much larger conversation for what I want to do tonight. But I did want to touch on the brevity of life because this world is not our home. It wasn't intended to be our home. God has a, a bigger plan and a bigger purpose here. And we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And we are going to step into eternity with for eternal goodness. So that's, that's what we wanted to really talk about here. Some other passages you, I, I would encourage you to look up. Psalm 103, verse 15 to 18. 1 Peter 1, 24, 25. Hebrews eleven thirteen, Luke 16, 15. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Um, which is actually what I just quoted. Um, I said 1 Corinthians 4, but it's 2 Corinthians 4. Um, Luke 12, 17 to 19. Uh, and I mentioned Psalm 90, verse 12. So these are some things that are important for us to understand and to help us gain some perspective about where we're at. Um, you know, I think from Luke 24, the thief on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I, I think we all want to say that to the Lord. Lord, don't forget about me. Don't forget about us. Don't forget about our friends and our family and our beloved. And Jesus, remember us. And that's the, the power of hope. When Jesus rose from the dead, hope shot out in all directions for eternity across time. And so we got we to gotta cling to that. And we got to understand that. So um, we, we talked about ontology recently and what is the nature of reality. And so what I want to do... Now, as it shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk about worldviews because, and we're not going to talk about all of them, but we talk, I want to do this as a way of, of shining a light on the importance of being Christian. And, you know, there's, there's a handful of worldviews, um, three that I want to talk about because um, they highlight the importance of being Christian. Uh, the first one, of course, is atheism. And that is, uh, you know, naturalism or, you know, the idea that uh, that everything is just material. And we're not going to go deep into this, but, you know, there's so many flavors of atheism. You know, we had atheism come in through psychology of, with Freud, uh, existentialism with John Paul Sartre, um, nihilism with Nietzsche, um, Karl Marx and dialectical materialism. And his all of his economic um, theories on redistribution of wealth, which he actually, a lot of people don't know this, that he recanted later in life because he saw that how his economic philosophy had destroyed his wife, who he truly loved, but he felt horrible and had remorse at the end of his life because he had... Um, um, caused his wife such torment in with his economic theory applied to their personal life. And even though he did well, and he actually made a lot of money in his writings. Um, 
But, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to know. Fred Copleston in his History of Philosophy documents that from his personal writings. So um, that's just a sidebar. Uh, B.F. Skinner's Social Determinism, uh, the idea that the environment um, is responsible for who we become. Um, also an atheist, um, Ludwig Feuerbach, um, uh, another atheist who... Um, you know, I came up with uh, the idea of the uh, psychological crutch and the idea that, you know, God is just fabricated in our imagination, projected, and then we worship it. Um, you know, none of these stand, stand up to epistemological tests or truth, but um, they're all different forms of the devil's message that there is no God. So... The one thing I want, they all have in common, you know, this is the takeaway. The one thing that they all have in common is despair. It's the fruit of darkness. It's what happens, it's what you get when there is no hope. And all you can look forward to is despair in the grave. And you have this big, scary, dark universe staring down at you. And you're vulnerable in every possible way. Um, because there's no divine governance, there's no moral or ethical code, um, there's no social fabric, there's no condemnation for evil, there's no definition of evil, and all of these things produce despair in the life of an atheist who ultimately will descend into a narcissistic uh, hedonism, and that's going to be the logical conclusion. So, you know, one other form of atheism that probably is worth mentioning is practical atheism. That is the person who says they believe in God, but, but still live as if there is no God. Um, but I wanted to highlight that because atheism, when you have an a eternal perspective, atheism cannot be a part of it because it only produces despair. So if nothing else, you look at Pascal's wager... And you would at least there believe in God. Um, but the second thing is pantheism. Uh, pantheism is a worldview where it says everything is God. And there's tremendous problems with this. Hinduism is the primary religion of uh, pantheism. But, you know, basically God is a contradiction because God is both good and evil. God is infinite and finite. Everything is God. And... Um, as you look at that, you can you can see very quickly there's no explanation for pain. Pain is inflicted by God because everything is God. Um, there's no um, um, no justice because everything is permissible, um, and then there's also no charity. Uh, love is, is somewhat forbidden because you, you can't, uh, you have the, um, you know, this, the satanic cousins of karma and reincarnation. So you cannot, um, help people because you, then you screw with their karma. So then charity becomes, okay, the one thing that's not part of God, even though they want, no one would say that that's the logical outcome when you go through all the writings. So, um, so that's the takeaway that when you, everything is God, uh, um, your pain is left unresolved. Your pain is your, the natural course of either things you've done in a previous life or, um, or, you know, they wouldn't say it like this, but the will of God. So the, you know, God has no will because God is not personal. God is impersonal in that worldview. So it's frankly, it's a big mess and it's, it's sad to me. It tells me about the power of sin that so many people would believe that garbage. Um, but then we get to Christianity and we have hope. We have hope because of the Lord Jesus. We have hope because of the resurrection. Um, so when you start to look at our worldview, Christianity is the only one that can account for the nature of reality, um, the nature of God, can explain the world, can explain the nature of man and our moral and ethical dilemmas and our, our striving uh, to want to do good in most cases. 
um, uh, we can explain the social fabric and the necessity of that. And a lot of that is um, introduced into the world in the Old Testament, that we have um, a social fabric that we, you know, have everything came out of the Decalogue, out of the Ten Commandments, and we have rules for living. You know, I'd mentioned before, the Bible is not a rule book, it's an instruction book on how to live in this world, how we live together. You know, things like, don't commit murder. Really? You need to put that in writing? I mean, isn't that obvious? Well, apparently not, because the Lord put it in there. And, you know, we had uh, we had Cain and Abel early on. Um, you know, don't lie. You know, and the, the Lord's respect for marriage. Do not have sex with your neighbor's wife. And don't commit adultery. And um, have no false gods. Have no idols. Um, don't worship things that are not truly God, but let's give God his honor and his glory um, in all aspects of our lives. Um, see, even even um, John wrote um, in First John, I believe, um, do not let any idol have the place in your heart that rightfully belongs to Christ. That's not an exact quote. I need to look it up. Um, but these are important to understand. And then um, even Christianity has, can explain history because we have the creation story and we can look at the universe and we can look at the fact that um, science now shows us that the universe has a beginning. Um, and it's like, oh, because uh, Genesis 1-1 uh, says we had a beginning. And... Um, so we know that there was a beginning. We know that entropy is, is showing us that the universe is rapidly uh, depleting resources and energy. It's really, it, you know, it's getting cold. Uh, we know that things do not evolve, but things are actually degrading. Um, so we can look at, uh, and Christianity can explain history in a way, in a cogent way that explains how we got here, where we come from, and then looking forward where we're going. And so that's an important part of our worldview. Uh, and then we can also explain the transcendental aspects of life. We can explain mathematics. We can explain um, laws of physics. We can explain um, even, you know, some of the things uh, like love. We can, uh, we can explain love. We understand love because God first loved us and God is love. And then the love in its various aspects or, or pain or sadness uh, we can explain healing and we can have hope during the times of despair. Um, you know, so all of these things that make up a worldview and, and things that you don't have in other worldviews. And, um, you know, and I, I just wanted to emphasize these three. There's, uh, there's other worldviews um, like polytheism, agnosticism and panentheism and uh, all this nonsense that, frankly, doesn't have the philosophical footing to be part of this conversation. But um, I wanted to emphasize these three because uh, you have despair, you have pain, and you have hope. And hope does not disappoint because the Lord Jesus rose from the dead and... He went to the cross. He, God stepped into time, lived a perfect life, had thousands of witnesses, and as we navigate this world and we start to think about what's our calling, what's the purpose of life, what is God doing here, we can do all of that in the context of understanding that there's an eternal future and we're invited to be part of it. Luke 12, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. John 10, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and no one will snatch them out of my hand and no one snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father is greater than all. will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. At the appointed time, the Lord is going to come. He's even given us a whole list of things in Matthew 24 to pay attention to and beware of these things.
that are going to happen that'll that'll be a sign of his coming. Other passages, I don't want to get into that now, but I just share that because in our paradigm spirituality, we need to look at the world, we need to look at history, we need to look at the future, we need to look at our own lives, we need to look at our hearts and minds, and we need to see if we are living into the kingdom reality where Ephesians 2 says we have been seated at the right hand, uh, seated with Christ at the right hand of God, or... Are we just living for today? Blowing off the fact that God is with us, that God sees everything we're doing. There's a quote here from A.W. Tozer in the book Knowledge of the Holy says, the days of the years of our lives are few and swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Life is a short and feverish rehearsal for a concert we cannot stay to give. Just when we appear to have attained some proficiency, we are forced to lay our instruments down. There is simply not time enough to think, to become, to perform what the constitutions of our natures indicate we are capable of. I like that because that's a reality that we want to live into and be aware of. I think it was in 300 that said what we do here echoes in eternity. And I like that quote because... There's a lot of truth to it. So the scriptures that I shared, I encourage you to to look those up again. Oh, the very first one I I shared was Psalm 39, verse 4 through 7. Um, And then I would also add 1 John 2, 15 to 17 in that as well. well. Um, and I said Romans eight eighteen and Romans eight twenty eight, but if I you want to encourage your heart, read all of Romans verses uh, one through thirty nine, and memorize it and make that a life first chapter, because like there's something in there for every day, no matter what we're dealing with. And I think it's Romans. Uh, I don't know if it's eight seven or eight eleven. Um, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us from the dead, will raise our loved ones from the dead, uh, will raise all the folks we miss that have gone on before us, and will raise those who come after us, whether it's our, our beloved or our children or our siblings or our friends. It's a great encouragement that the Lord has provided in his word as a promise for us. In closing, I just want to read something to you that I wrote. This is in two parts, and I wrote it um, six years apart. And so you're, what you're going to hear here is the conclusion. And I want to share this. This is on the website. And it's a little stream of consciousness called Sometimes God. And I read it in 2015, but I knew it was incomplete. And in 2021, I went back to it and I wrote some conclusions that I had drawn from it. And so I just encourage you to close your eyes now and let these sink in a little bit. And see if some of them apply to you. And keep in mind that this whole list was the fruit of my observation of my own life from about 2006 to 2015. So for nine years. 
and then another six years before I started to understand some of those meanings. So things don't happen overnight, and sometimes we don't know, but I want to share these, and I hope they encourage your heart. And then we'll close in prayer. Sometimes God provides blessings knowing that they will reveal a divided heart and direct us towards understanding that God has placed eternity in our hearts. That first part's from Psalm 8611. And it's hard to see when you have a divided heart unless you're in, living in blatant sin. Number two, sometimes God uses us to reveal darkness in others. This is often when we learn humility and how to love sacrificially. Two lessons that are lifelong lessons. But when you realize you're learning them, it's a weight off your shoulders. It turns out you're not as damaged as you think you are. Sometimes God brings us others to expose our selfish nature. This is often when our self-awareness becomes our sin awareness. Sometimes God will show us the future to see if we can wait. Other times God allows a cloud of mystery to see if we can trust. This is the place where we learn contentment. And learning contentment with godliness is great gain because we're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of our being. And I shared, I shared recently that we are not to live lives of comparison, that perhaps the things we're praying for or hoping for are in a different timeline than the Lord Jesus has planned for us. So I think that's important to understand because we have to be willing to put anything the Lord gives us on the altar. We have to have that Abraham Isaac moment with everything we hold most dear. It's an important lesson. It's a hard lesson. It's a lesson to trust. But it's it'll test your heart in a way that you will properly love and care for whatever God does place in your hands. But most important, that you can learn to be content. Sometimes God will give us the best in life to show us what we value. And sometimes he takes it all the way when the roots of our faith prove shallow. This is the place where we find our resolve. And we look in the mirror and we take a hard look. We try and look past our shame and guilt And say, Lord, I'm ready now. I'm going to walk with you. I'm done messing around with my bullshit. And I'm, I'm ready. And I'm sorry. And I thank you for not giving up on me. Sometimes God isolates us so our roots of faith grow deep. And often he quietly waits while our spirit of discontent resists. This is the place where pride bleeds out. This is an important place to get to. Because we begin to understand that we were not as great as we thought we were. But by the power of his spirit... And his grace and mercy is going to call us in to be like him, which is the most wonderful identity we could ever embrace. Sometimes God shines a light on things that need to go. And often they're things we're proud of. This is the place where our temporary identities fade and our eternal identities come into focus. This is also an important place to be, to arrive at because many blessings can be hum become idols if they're not held in proper perspective with a thankful heart, 
with a disposition of attitude in your soul. And it's so important. That stanza makes me think of Deuteronomy 8 and just understanding the Lord saying, man, I, I made you what you are. I gave you wealth. I showed you how to do with all this. And you had no idea I was even helping you. Sometimes God allows us to fall hard because love must be tough. This is the pure love of the discipline of the Father. Just read Hebrews 12. That's all I got to say there. Sometimes God allows blessings for his own to spill over to others, and sometimes it's this ancillary grace that brings others to know him. For our good and his glory, we have a role to play, sharing in God's love for the world. And this, this should encourage our hearts, because God is changing us to be like him. And people are watching, and people can see it. And this was just inspired by people who came to know the Lord that I didn't even know were paying attention to me. Um, and though they never heard my words when I shared the gospel. Um, they recognized things that they wanted in their life, and it was the Lord. And that, that was the greatest thing, because that was 100% God. And um, people I care for dear, very dearly, and, and to thank the Lord for showing that to me. Sometimes God will let people freely run to their sin, and though it breaks his heart, he knows for that for some this world is best they will ever have. This too breaks our heart, but sometimes God's bigger purpose is to break us further when we witness that the mercy of God and grace of God reaches much farther than I would ever allow. Uh, <laughs> There's, we don't have the time to talk about the story behind this one. But let's just say, never give up on a person. Never give up on, God can save anybody. God can forgive any sin. just amazing because in my own sensibilities sometimes grace and mercy have dinosaur arms and just don't reach that far and um, uh, but God is just doing amazing things that's all Anyways, um, that, that came out of Romans 1, and a person read that to me, and read Romans 1 to me, and asked me if that verse was speaking about them, and that started a chain reaction of events that led to genuine faith. In, in someone that I just didn't think it was possible. Sometimes God doesn't make sense to me. And sometimes I'm not okay with that. But this is how my faith and trust grow. Over time, I grow a heart of gratitude and become thankful to see that God is bigger than I can imagine. And my faith is rated deeper. Through it all, these slithers of time are woven together in a tapestry that only God can see. And through time, the eyes of my heart have seen sovereign grace on display. 
and these words remind me that the story is still unfolding. And though I'm impatient, and though I get anxious, though my prayers have gone unanswered, I'm prompted to remember that God, my Father, through love and discipline and the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit and the administration of the peace of Christ is revealing a picture that is good, a picture of love, a picture of joy, and a picture of peace that fuels faith and hope far beyond what I can ask or imagine. And it's in those times that I'm thankful that sometimes God reminds me that he is still God. That was written on October 30th, 2021. And you'll find it on the website on foundationonknowledge.org. So I, I hope that encouraged your heart somehow. But if you take nothing from tonight, take away hope. Take away an eternal perspective. And hope is the rope that's pulling you closer into eternity. And God's got you. And God's not letting you go. If you have doubts, that's a pretty good indication that you have a seat at the table in heaven and it's it's waiting for you. And one day you'll step into it and take your seat at the divine meal. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this time and this message. This didn't exactly go like I thought, but I I think it's a good message. And I thank you. Lord, please encourage hearts who hear this. Prepare hearts who are going to hear this. For those that need healing, I pray these words would would, would help. For those who are feeling despair and a little lost, help them be found by you. Please bring words of encouragement into our life. Lord, encourage our hearts to go to your word and to go to you in prayer daily and often. And Lord, just please continue to teach us to be like you, to grow up in you. And Lord, we just thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness and the promise that you'll never give up on us. And Lord, for anyone who hear this, who hears this, who's given up on themselves, Lord, please revive them by the power of your spirit. We thank you and we praise you and we're grateful. And we thank you for the promise of Philippians 1 6. That the work you began in us is good and you're going to be faithful to complete it. We thank you and we praise you and we're grateful. And we ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He who began a good work in you He who began a good work in you Will be faithful to complete Started the work will be.
Finds his pleasure in you. 